for they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Let's pray. Lord, give us insight into your way. It's clear that this word, your word, is true. And there's only one way to live a blessed, a fruitful, and an eternal life. Most here already know that this way of living is through following your risen Son, Jesus Christ. And we know that we're limited your, we've limited your blessing by turning to old ways of living. And there's many here maybe that, that do not know you, do not know your way, and have only followed their own desires. Regardless, Lord, enter into this place and into our hearts. Show us the meaning of being blessed in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's uh, not by random chance that uh, our rival uh, rabbi and uh, scribal forefathers uh, decided that Psalm 1 would indeed be the first psalm of the 150 Psalm Psalter. Um, it's widely believed that Psalm 1 as well as 2 are chosen as summary introductions to the Bible's hymnal. And uh, before we go any further... We really have to remember that what we just read was meant to be sung. So Psalm 1 is translated Song 1. And like all songs, there are very different types of songs that we can sing. Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. Um, So you'll have to kind of imagine that you just sang Proverbs. You know, it's kind of this jingle of Proverbs behind it. You know, it's kind of odd, but that's what we just did. We sang it. And so uh, because it's a song, it does not reduce its value to us, but I think instead it really promotes it. Um, Songs are some of the most powerful tools for shaping our worldview. Uh, Music has permanence in our memory. um, And if you're like me, you're probably trying to forget a single song, the Ace of Bass song. I saw the sign. And it opened up my mind. I saw the sun. <laughs> Yikes. Welcome back to 1993. Um, that, it's crazy that I remember that. Um, and it's weird that it's still in my brain. I wish it wasn't there. Um, and I bet you're still thinking about it, even now. And that is the point. Song music has a permanence in our hearts and our minds today. And so would we be interested in learning God's first Song, his very first one. God's opener was written so that you'd remember the way of blessing, which comes through his word. And if sung, it's hopes that you would forget the way of perishing that, uh, and, and leave, to, leave behind real true wickedness, being apart from the Lord. Um, our psalm really has three stages to it. And so the first one is who is blessed and who is not. Our passage is broken into these three stages, and the first one you'll see is in verses 1 and 2. So really, I I do ask that you stay in that text, keep that Bible open uh, until the very end. Uh, So turn your eyes back to that uh, text and follow the music. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, 
or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. The blessed will be just as defined by what they do as by what they do not do. So not doing wickedness will lead them to greater happiness. Um, That's what blessed means. It means happy. Uh, And in context, the blessed is a person. So what is the verse 1 is really telling us is the blessed are those who are wise to the lies of the wicked. Um, This is a good one. I think it will work in your memory, hopefully. Uh, The blessed will spot infomercial happiness. In a heartbeat. So we all get crazy inbox emails, you know, and, and something comes into our inbox that says, meet single women or guys in your area. Or uh, they'll say, subscribe now and you can win big money. Or my personal favorite, uh, try this diet pill and lose 20 pounds. It's like, you don't even know me, man. I don't have 20 pounds to lose, bruh. Trying to gain 20 pounds. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and that's what the blessed see. They see those inbox emails and they say, that's ridiculous. And they put that email and best of all, they put that thought in the junk folder where it belongs. Why? Because they know their happiness does not depend on what the world has to offer. They think of only God's way to happiness. The unblessed do not allow God to do their thinking. When they're offered infomercial happiness, here's kind of what I think they might say. Sure, why not? What's the harm? Maybe it'll work. God knows I don't like being single. I know money doesn't buy happiness, but man, a a vacation is pretty nice. And I'm tired of seeing the same old me in the mirror. If a pill can change that or fix it, you know, really, what's the harm? I'm not here to judge joy that can be found in a spouse or financial security or mental or physical health. I'm not here to judge that. But what God will judge is our fixation on them. The blessed do not believe those things are at the root of their personal happiness. So they never participate in the dealings of sinners. That's what verse 1 says. Because sinners are people who don't care about breaking God's law. That's what it means to be a sinner. You don't care. They don't even dream about being a mocker or someone's wicked enough that way they would promote a philosophy that's built and based on rejecting God. The unblessed enjoy. They think it's funny to mock our Lord. He is their punchline to their joke. We are not so the blessed. So consider this downward progression. Look again, verse 1. Consider the downward progression carefully in that verse. Uh, The more your thinking is persuaded by sin, the more sinful you will become. I really like James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. You could just write it in your hymnal or write it in your bulletin. It's our New Testament parallel. Uh, Sin is spelled out very clearly in this verse. It says this. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, 
when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. So this is a negative, godless progression that starts with a sinful thought and desire for happiness. So the first way the blessed find their happiness is not being wicked, sinful, or contributing to godless mockery. They do not believe sin leads to happiness. But instead, they think sin leads to death. They know there is no such thing as a happy little sinner. It's not true. The first step to being blessed and receiving this happiness that God has for us is by admitting and believing that your small little sinful thinking is dead wrong. Then and only then will you hate sin. You'll hate it and learn to delight and meditate on God. So verse 2, that's where we're at right now. Verse 2 says, The heart of the blessed is filled with their delight of God, especially in his law of instruction. You get a taste of delightful thinking when you consider maybe your favorite books or music or movies or stories. Uh, as children, uh, if you have small children, you know this is true. We, we love to reread the stories. We love to rewatch the movies. We put our favorite songs on repeat and we retell the best of stories. Isn't that what Raj just said? We love to retell those stories. But when delight is applied to people, we gain a fuller picture of delight in Psalm 1. Hopefully you were able to spend some really great quality time uh, with family and friends over the 4th of July. I certainly did. And if, uh, if you delighted in that time, in that day, you'd probably wish you could just relive that celebration over again. Don't you? Like, you just wish it just didn't end. You could just keep doing it. That is repetitive delight. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful place to be. And that's the repetitive heart that's behind this passage, behind this song. The blessed one will delight in God's word. It says that blessed, happy are those, uh, are the ones whose delight is in the law of the Lord. So delighting in the law of God is the root of the happiest people on earth. But what is that law, right? It's scripture. He's talking about scripture. Inside the book you hold in your hands, I hope you still have it open. Inside that book you hold in your hands is, uh, is not only the instruction, the guidance, but it's your help for all of your life. It's what this God's describing in Scripture the whole time. He's talking about what it means to be happy, how to have happiness in Him. And so that's what Christians believe when they say the Bible is, you ever heard of this? Authoritative. You ever heard of that? The Bible's authoritative. What we mean when we say that is Christians believe that God's guiding word is our only rule. Rule is our only rule for happiness, for joy, for satisfaction in all of life. That is authoritative. And so the blessed ones will delight in God's word. They will be happy in him because it is the rule for their life. So... What will the blessed do when they possess that happiness? Say you have that delight in your heart. They will meditate on the word. That's what the next verse is, or the next uh, part of that passage is. 
Uh, Blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditate on his law day and night. So meditation there is a crazy word, guys. It's really interesting. It's probably the most interesting word in the whole psalm. It means to mull over or to chew on. Uh, so it's right to say a cow meditates on the, on the sweetness of grass. He just chews on it. Meditation is also, though, a sound. It's this low, rhythmic sound. So remember, it's a song. I, I can imagine that song one must have had this low, hypnotic rhythmic chorus that was meant to just kind of lull you into delight. God's saying we should put this song on repeat and listen to it over and over and over again. We see the gospel in this verse as well. Recently, uh, Lindsay and I had a a really great conversation uh, with our kids. Uh, I asked her, what does it mean to be in Christ? Um, you know, it's like I can be inside. I can be uh, in a class. Uh, I can even be in uh, the bathroom, but I can't be in Christ. Uh, so what is that? We decided that to be in Christ was to mean to be in his family. That's what we thought. It was a very powerful conclusion, to be in his family. Um, and that's what this verse is saying. Read it again. Just put, put your eyes down on that page. Whose delight is in the law of the Lord. You can't be in the law. You can't be inside of it. So what is he saying? He means to be immersed in the law. It's not only uh, the blessed are not only immersed in the law, they meditate on the law. You see that? Meditate on the law. They meditate on it day and night. So it is with our faith in Christ. I put all my hope on Him and in Him. And where do we find Christ? We find Him in His Word. John 1 says that Jesus Christ was made flesh. The Word was made flesh and dwelled among us. So when we study the Word, you chew on Christ. Do you want to be happy? Do you want to experience what true joy is? Do you want God's blessing? Do you want to be that blessing? And the first thing you do is say no to sin, and you do not do anything that's contrary to God's word, and at the same time you delight in Christ, who is in the word and who is the word. Next uh, section of it is section two. What are they like? So what, what are these people really like? Um, and the song gives us two illustrations, uh, the blessed and the unblessed uh, alike. So God says the blessed are like fruit trees. It's kind of crazy. Uh, so turn to verse three where the blessed are described. It says this. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. A tree is a a formidable image. And I wonder if uh, you knew this, that when you look at a tree, you're only seeing half of it. Um, A tree, you can kind of tell that as large as a a tree is tall, 
the exact size for most trees is down deep. So as high as that tree is, it's likely that the roots are just as high below ground. So you can imagine why God would call us a tree. The blessed are a tree because they send their roots deep down, searching the ground to soak up God's life-giving word, which is his waters in our verse. So the word, or God's law in verse 2, is like streams of water, which if you think of it is a great illustration for Scripture. Uh, Streams are always flowing, always fresh. I'm sure you'll agree that when you reread Scripture, you experience it fresh. You experience a fresh understanding of God. Uh, Some of us have studied Psalm 1 for uh, all of June. Um, And wouldn't you say you're just beginning to understand this verse? I, I certainly do. Scripture is God's fresh streams of water. Uh, and check it out. The word, the, the water in our verse is not singular. It's plural. Do you notice that? Streams of water. Scripture isn't just one thing. It's not just poetic songs. It's, not, uh, it, it's also philosophical. It's also historical and prophetic even. It's full of narratives. It's full of personal letters. Scripture is emotionally dynamic. It's not just one emotion. You find joy with pain. You find happiness with depression. You find pure pleasure with utter disgust. God's word is made up of many streams of water for us to drink. So I hope you're holding it in your hands. All of this is in the palm of your hand. It's not a normal book. It is divine. So what's the result of delight and meditation on this divine word of God? The answer is also found in our tree metaphor. Uh, Happy, uh, it says, the blessed trees produce healthy fruit for others. So continue to to read verse 3. Those happy trees yield their fruit in season and their leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. As these blessed people uh, drink God's word every day and every night, they fortify themselves for every season. Uh, So in the worst of times, they do not wither. Um, Going back to to our thoughts of Haley, um, no doubt about it, we are going through a really difficult time in our church. It seems like every year we're experiencing great tragedy. Uh, What do we do? I think God has given us the only thing we can do. He's given us his word. That's the streams. Why do we go to this word? It's because God's there. There. That's where he is. For us, with us. Streams of living water. Uh, I, I think if you're hurting um, and you're wondering where we should go, you might relate a lot to Simon Peter in uh, John 6. Uh, When confronted with hardship, uh, Simon, uh, confused by what Jesus was saying, um, responded uh, to Jesus' question. He said this, Simon did, Lord, to whom shall we go? Just sit with that. Where where am I going to go, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed. And 
have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is not said in a happy time. This is said in a really hard time. Jesus is the only place we can turn. So how do we experience Jesus? Again, we experience Him in His Word. We read the words He's given us, and we are, uh, and then we're prepared to, to experience Him in any season of life. And so we can experience Him when we're full of joy. Um, and we're really excited. Uh, at the same time, we mourn Haley. We're happy with those who are happy. Uh, the birth of Parker Tingle is a wonderful joy. It's a gift from God. Why do we say that? We say he's a gift from God because that's what God says in his word. That's what we just repeat, what he's already said. The recent marriages in our church is a, a fruit of God's word lived out. We ought to love these unions because his word instituted these marriages. We should depend on the word day and night. That's why Paul tells young Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 this. Preach the word, Timothy. I added that. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. God's word is the authority in every season of life. Now, you can better understand that verse that we maybe misread or misunderstood. In all he does, he prospers. The Hebrew word prosper also has the imagery of water. Uh, It can mean to flow over with like a river or being poured out like water. And all his overflow of prosperity in this tree metaphor is called fruit. Uh, The last time I checked, (laughs) trees... Don't eat their own fruit, right? You don't see that happening. Um, So when God says we're fruitful trees, he's saying we're fruitful for others. Um, What God pours into you was meant to be poured out to others. Um, So, And and since prosperity is so tied to money, uh, let's speak to that directly. Uh, my verse uh, that I, I, call my, I think is my favorite on giving is 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. It says this, Each one should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not out of regret or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the blessed, happy person in Psalm 1 is the cheerful, happy person. In this verse. But 2 Corinthians 9 isn't just speaking about money, I don't think. It it should be applied to every aspect of our lives. The point here is God is pouring out His Word in you. So His Word was meant to not only sustain your life, it does. But His Word is also meant and intended for you to produce good fruit, good works. It's for others also. So God treats us as he treated Abraham long ago. We are blessed to be a blessing. That's prosperous. That's prosperity. It's fruit. The unblessed, though, deny God's word, um, unfortunately. And so their life is really the opposite of the tree. The outcome of the unblessed life is seen in verse 4. So again, put your eyes there real quick. It it doesn't take long. Uh, Not so the wicked. 
they are like chaff that the wind blows away. You know, I just found it really surprising that the illustration just didn't go on. It's just I kind of expected more, right? Um, but the psalmist simply compares the wicked to the blessed by saying, not so, not so. Everything that is true of the tree now is untrue of those who neglect God's word. They aren't rooted in God's word. That means that, that means they aren't sustained by God's streams of water. Their heart is not constantly generous. Their gifts really are born out of regret or compulsion. Their lifestyles promote their withering. They also seek security through prosperity, but prosperity isn't for others. They just gratify their felt needs all day long. They are, the illustration, like chaff. So chaff, if you didn't know it, is the shell of a seed. Um, and so when I think of chaff, because grew up in all the rice form, I think of rice. Uh, it's that golden rice husk that comes to my mind. Chaff is the, the thing you have to take off the rice grain in order to eat. Um, it produces, it really, it does serve a purpose, and this is something Ashton said in our time in Sunday school, we really appreciate it. It does serve a pers- purpose, but, um, but during dinner time, it's just getting in the way. <laughs> Got to get through the chaff, get the grain. Um, so God says in uh, verse 4 that the chaff is, is driven away by the wind. Um, he wants you to see how weightless and temporary life is without him, without his word. When the seasonal weather hits the tree, it's going to remain. Uh, the blessed tree is sustained no matter the circumstances. On the contrary, the chaff is blown around. Uh, it's, in, it's entirely at the will of the elements. And I, I remember distinctly how beautiful the rice is during harvest. So we're cutting rice, we're putting it in the rice bins, and you have this wonderful smell of like dried hay with oatmeal that's fresh, and, um, and it's just it's amazing. Um, but months later, when the rice has all been sold, and all that's left in the bins are just wind-scattered piles of chaff, uh, the smell is a little different. Uh, so by that time, it's, rain has kind of come and gone. Um, the chaff mixes with the mud, uh, and you start to smell rot, um, and you start to smell mold. Uh, and as farmers, you've got to get in those bins right away to sweep out the chaff, to get it all out, because uh, soon it'll rot within your bins and, and really cause a lot of uh, disease potentially to happen. And so this is what God wants you to remember. He wants you to remember what life is, chaff, life, without him. It's piles of moldy, rotten, useless mess that farmers have to sweep out, have to get rid of. Um, The image of God uh, would have us remember and consider life without him, free from his word. We'd be like chaff if we weren't. By this time, um, the the, the conclusions are really certain. I don't even know if we need to really read the last section um, to know what's going to happen. The eternal path is known or unknown. Um, Yet God in his grace uh, makes it abundantly clear what will happen. Thank God, he tells us. Uh, Our life, uh, your life will end. um, And when it does, you'll see uh, that there's only two paths in eternity. God will either treat you as someone who's known to him or unknown. Uh, The image of heaven is constantly described as a place where believers uh, are fully known by God. Uh, In our passage, though, we see that God's knowledge of us 
This knowing doesn't start in heaven. It starts here on earth. Um, That's what's being said in verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. So this side of eternity, everyone struggles to know the way, right? I mean, we all do. What do I do? Um, We don't really know how to live our lives. Um, We kind of have these ups and downs. We feel frantic at times. We live in a state of unknowns. Um, But what separates faithful Christians and everyone else, the other path, is our dependence not on our own knowledge, but on the knowledge of God. That's our, that's our root. And so when we have this knowledge of the Lord and when we have this consistency, believers trust God alone because He's the only way that they are full. God's the only one who fully knows us, and God's the only one that fully knows the way into His presence. As God looks at me, he sees uh, a guy who's living out of anxiety. Uh, He knows that without him, I have no hope of finding him. And so what has God done to Bokai? He said, I've made you a way. I'm coming for you. Has he come to you? Has he made his way clear to you? If you're confused about eternal destinies, you're not alone. Uh, the disciple Thomas was very confused about what Jesus was saying um, in his eternal teaching in John 14, verses 5 through 6. Uh, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, it's great, honesty is awesome. Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how do we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God knows the way, and Jesus is the way. So follow Jesus. God said he pours out streams of water, of truth. Jesus just said he is the truth. And God is leading all of his people into eternal life. And Jesus just said, I am the life. There's only two paths to be considered. Um, The blessed assembly will stand. That's the conclusion of our verse. While the wicked way will perish. Uh, The blessed and happy will stand in a community of united believers founded on one thing. Their faith in Jesus. Jesus is their way. He's their truth. And he is their life. Whereas the unblessed, unknown, godless perish because of their lack of trust in God. When the pressure, uh, the presence of God, they, they, we all enter into his presence. There's only one who stands. It's the blessed. The others fall. Um, God does not desire that anyone should perish, but offers his son to everyone who would follow. God loves the world. He says it in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. Perish. They shall not perish. They won't. They will not give up. They will not be blown away. Their life will never end. But have 
eternal life. That is the good news of the gospel. Psalm 1, with all the authority given to it by God, proclaims to you the blessed life is there. That Christ is it. That he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Would we drink like trees from this knowledge? God's streams of water which flow out of the mouth of truth of Christ. And would we walk this blessed path, this happy life today and forever into eternity? Because Jesus Christ is our life. Our verse of the week, uh, which is uh, found in John 14, 6, is, it is that verse. Um, it's found at the bottom of your, uh, of your notes. I would ask that we would read it together. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me pray for us. Let's bow our heads and give our hearts to the Lord. God... Who are we without you? We would be wanderers without heading or direction. Lord, we choose foolishness. God, we even as Christians sometimes in our thinking, we choose works-based salvation. While you offer, God, you offer pure joy and wisdom. You offer unmerited grace. Jesus, without your obedient of coming down, on earth, we would be definitely lost. Jesus, we admit that from time to time we lose our way and we praise Christ that you do not lose us. Your Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, guides us back to the Father through your word. Still at times, we like stale water sit there motionless, allowing our Bible to sit on our desk collecting dust. But Jesus, we trust that you are this word made flesh. You will, when we open this word, God, you will pour out Holy Spirit fresh water from it. We will taste you. Jesus, this is your blessing. We trust it will bring us joy. True joy. We pray that it sustains us in every season, both good and bad. We need you. Lord, would you allow us to be a fruitful blessing to others, to be cheerful givers, to be generous men and women of the cross of Christ. Allow us, Lord, allow us to be in your presence today and every day after. Lord, we love you. We do not want to fall away. Keep us holy, Lord Jesus Christ. Sustain us every day. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.